When you invite someone over to play, are they allowed to bring their friends, and how do you get them to leave? That's today on Footnoting History. Hello, this is Christine, and welcome to the February 16th podcast of Footnoting History. Let's face it. If you live in the United States, the odds are you either know someone from Ireland, once visited Ireland, are of Irish descent, or know someone who is, or maybe you even proudly proclaim yourself Irish on St. Patrick's Day. The fact is, no matter which one of these fits into your life, the person involved is going to have an opinion on those people living to the east of them who drink to the Queen and call themselves English. The arguments over freeing Ireland from under the English are as prevalent now as they were centuries ago. Really, if you start to think about it, you have to ask yourself, what would they have to brawl over in the pubs on the Friday night after a few pints if all this political nonsense got cleared up? The answer is most likely reality television, and we can't have that. So it's probably best we take a look now at what got them into this whole mess in the first place. Imagine that you're a king. You aren't just any king, you are King Henry II of England. The year is 1155, and you have been on the throne for less than 12 months. You are young, handsomely ruddy-haired, battle-hardened, and one of the most intelligent young men of your day. Your land holdings are not limited to England, but also stretch across the channel into what is today France. Basically, you're a pretty big deal, and as your reign unfolds, you are going to become an even bigger one. But for now, things are very busy and you have to prioritize. The Pope gives you a document that says that you can go into Ireland, claim it as your own, therefore adding it to your already ample domains, as long as you do it with the goal of expanding Christianity and the Pope's influence. But you're Henry II. You are busy bringing England back the stability it lost during years of civil war. You are establishing yourself on both this island and the continent. If you had a choice between a little island of musicians, poets, and cattle farmers, or keeping the other rulers of Europe from encroaching on your holdings while also having to keep your nobility in line, which becomes more important? I think the choice is obvious. Let's just say, in 1155, Ireland was not high on Henry's list of priorities. On the other hand, it was high on the list of priorities for Dermot McMurrah, the King of Leinster. You see, things still happened in Ireland even if no one else was paying attention to them. While the rest of Europe fought with one another, the Irish kings fought among themselves. In the 1100s, Ireland lacked what we would today call a centralized government, meaning that the island was essentially carved up by various local kings who battled it out to expand or control their specific region. The areas of influence changed regularly, and it could get pretty cutthroat at times. In the 1160s, things reached a boiling point. King Dermot, who had been in charge of Leinster since long before Henry II was ruling England, had his biggest problem begin when his political ally died, leaving him vulnerable to his enemy, Rory O'Connor, the King of Connacht. Now, if you're not too familiar with Ireland, think of Leinster as the area near Dublin in the east, and Connacht as a big chunk of land to the west. Rory and his band of merry men ran King Dermot out of his home in Dublin and claimed Leinster for themselves. Dermot, well, he didn't take this too kindly, as you can imagine, and he decided that it was imperative that he get his little slice of Irish heaven back. So, he needed help. The help he sought was none other than you, Henry II. It took Dermot more than one try before Henry conceded to help him. 
not only was henry busy with the barons in aquitaine but he was also embroiled in an ongoing struggle with the archbishop thomas becket but he was nice enough to receive dermot and let him swear allegiance to him in doing this dermot acknowledged henry as his superior was it an act of desperation yeah but it served its purpose of showing that he believed henry had more power than him and would be able to be the person to help once this was established henry still not wanting to go to ireland himself told dermot that he had full permission to take anyone who wanted to accompany him so it was that in 1170 help arrived in ireland led by richard de clare the earl of pembroke who wore the nickname strongbow and dutifully fulfilled his promise soon dermot was once again acting as king of leinster but he also had an englishman firmly planted in the fabric of ireland because in order to gain strongbow's help king dermot had made him a promise that he could marry dermot's daughter Aoife. well dermot was obviously very thankful to strongbow for all of his assistance and honored this promise the next thing they knew Aoife and strongbow were married and by 1171 old man dermot was dead and strongbow decided to make himself the new king of leinster on behalf of his wife's claim to the throne now think about that for a minute in less than a decade ireland went from being mostly off of england's radar to having an english earl as their king of leinster how many irishmen do you think believe that they would suddenly have an englishman telling them what to do and more to the point how happy do you think they were when strongbow decided that leinster wasn't enough for him especially while it was cluttered up with all those pesky irishmen it didn't take long before he was using his armor swords and followers to push the spear-using quilted linen-wearing irish people farther and farther west clearing the land for himself and his englishmen you don't need me to tell you that that didn't go too well with the native population and especially the other irish kings who didn't want this englishman to steal away their possessions so who did they turn to if you guessed henry the second you would be correct the remaining irish kings sent messengers to the court of henry the second and asked him to help them because they knew they could never contain strongbow on their own they even went one step further than dermot had and they told henry wait wait for it if you come and help us we will grant you lordship over ireland but before henry decided what to do he received a second offer because sir king earl strongbow also sent word to him hoping that henry would help him keep the lands he'd already taken and if henry did this strongbow promised that he would happily act as henry's man in ireland now remember you're henry the second what do you do you go to ireland of course henry did not like the idea that strongbow could make himself a formidable force behind his own back also he was facing problems at home in the form of backlash from the unfortunate murder of the priest thomas becket and he thought maybe it was a good time to make himself scarce in england until that whole incident blew over so he became the first english king to go to ireland where he rendered his decision he allowed strongbow to keep his lands but he withheld dublin and its immediate surroundings for the english crown ensuring that strongbow could not try and make himself some sort of nasty almighty irish ruler he also set up a man he liked hugh de lacy as his representative to keep an eye on things while he wasn't there not to leave any stone unturned henry also received the irish king's submission to him and brought the irish church into closer conformity with the way religious matters were performed in england under the guidance of the pope in rome by the time henry left ireland in 1172 he had even gone so far as to build a palace outside the city walls in the irish style where he could appear at home instead of like some sort of visiting foreigner 
and therefore having a permanent English presence near the capital of Dublin. With these facts now fresh in your mind, take a step back for a minute and think about life today. How many times have you heard Irish folk songs and not given them much thought? The amount of folk music that contains references to English oppression of the Irish people is impressive. From the moment Richard Strongbow de Clare was promised the hand of Aoife and set foot in Ireland, there has not been a moment where English influence wasn't a part of the Irish consciousness. Do you think King Dermot of Leinster had any idea that he would have people so angry centuries later because he wanted to get his seat back in 1170? Good King Dermot and his contemporary kings are lucky they didn't find themselves the subject of perpetual scorn in every scathing song. I mean, Dermot only had his crown back for less than a year before he died. In a time where borders were changing constantly and kings battled all over, would you have expected the invited Englishmen to go home once they restored Dermot? And if they didn't, what would you have done? I know what I would have done. I would have written a song. This has been Footnoting History. If you liked our podcast, be sure to check us out on the web at footnotinghistory.weebly.com where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as information about upcoming podcasts. Join us next week, when we'll be talking about the Cathars, the Templars, and the Siege of Montsegur. Until then, remember the best stories are always found in the footnotes. See you next time!